the Click owns this business. Coming down the aisle, Bimbo, Jimbo, baby, who is? You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Give me a hell yeah. Today, woo, I've got the stop and profile like never before. From our studios in downtown San Francisco, this is In The Click, Bimbo Jimbo, alongside my tag team partner, Baby Huey. Hello and welcome again, everybody. We're live, pal. Hey, buddy. What an epic day to come to work today. It's going to be an exciting episode. Another sun-kissed San Francisco day, and it is a very, very special episode of In The Click because we have a tremendous interview guest to get to here Mm -hmm. as well, but also sort of... The, the introduction of our click chick, Chasta, who is, of course, a huge, huge part of the Bone family uh, here in San Francisco. But she is in on our interview today. So I don't want to spoil anything, but it is a it is a big time interview. He came by in studio. So let's get right to it. 1077 The Bone, Bimbo Jimbo, Baby Huey, and Chasta. And we have in our midst, live in our face, in studio, we have a world champion wrestler, a best-selling author. He's He's got the king of the podcast world going on. He's the Ayatollah of rock and roller with Fozzie, who is going to be at Slims tonight. Slimspresents.com for your tickets. And he makes me want to pop a little bit of the bubbly. Chris Jericho, welcome. Jeez, man. Calm down. I always love coming top of my head, baby. I always love coming here with Bimbo, Jimbo, and Baby Huey. It sounds like <laughs> sounds like a gay porn website. <laughs> oh my god. It I was just talking with one of our producers here that he was calling somebody Senior Wang, and I was like, Yeah, it sounds like a pretty good porn website, Senior Wang's. <laughs> what? Bring him into our crew. What yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Always, always a pleasure. It's funny because uh I just changed my phone recently, so I was getting some texts with uh with the man over here. I don't know if you're allowed to say what your real name is. Yeah, the Danny, baby. So yeah, because yeah. it's Danny. It's Danny. I'm like, I'm like, who's Danny? And it's like the super friendly tech. Who's Danny? I'm like, oh, that's baby Huey. <laughs> so I put you in as baby Huey. I got a lot of Dannys on my phone, but there's only one baby Huey. Baby Huey. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh my God. Interview over. We don't even need to have Done. to go any Gauntlet further. Thrown. You just blew his head off. I assumed you changed your phone number because of baby Huey. <laughs> I figured that was, that was the cause. Well, so that's what happened. So Chassie, you know the backstory. So yeah. last Friday, we were over at Chase Center getting ready for Metallica's yes. concert, and we are doing the whiskey tasting and all that stuff, and Earlier in the day, I texted, or the night before, I texted Jericho, and I was like, hey, you're in town next week, you want to do something? I didn't hear back all night, and I was like, devastation. Uh-oh. Devastation. <laughs> he, yeah, he's just avoiding me. I'm like, oh, crap. And then I sent a DM. Ghosting. I sent a DM. <laughs> no, on- I, I sent a DM to you. Yeah, just so out of, that out of was coincidence. The funny part. So, yeah, so I sent a DM on Twitter. And then later on the day, you right. sent me a DM on Instagram. Instagram, right. And I was like, oh, my God. And then, you you know, we exchanged. And, and that's the thing. I changed my number last year. It's like the first time I kind of purged everything for the last 20 years. Really? And I still have people like 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 Phil Demel. He lives here in San Francisco. He's like, dude, like, do you not like? He emails me. Don't you like me anymore? I've been texting <laughs> for like three months. I'm like, dude, I changed my number. Sorry, I forgot to tell you. If I text someone that was my friend for like two or three months, I would text a mutual friend and say, hey, 
Did so-and-so change his number? But some oh. people, there's probably some people out there that think I'm still mad at them because I haven't texted back. I should have texted him. Yeah, exactly. 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 Now, but we're Chris, all here. It worked out. Cool. Are you aware that he calls you his celebrity bestie? Did you know I that? I did not know that. Okay, so I got to fill you in because there's actually like, you're getting in the ring with somebody. You don't even know this yet. <laughs> I've, already, I've already planned this out. <laughs> okay. so, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. It's on me. So he calls you his celebrity bestie. So my celebrity besties, I have two, are both stand-up comedians, Joe Coy and Kamal Bell from CNN. They have both agreed to do a celebrity bestie battle with you. Now, it's going to take two of them to go up against you, obviously. Maybe one on top of the other. I don't know. I but love are how, you in? I love how people just say, we'll just have a wrestling match. They say, no, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We'd be better off having a stand-up comedy off than, Ooh, than a wrestling match. I, get, I think you'd still win. I get, I get this all the time, uh, and, and I, I specifically shy away from it. Anytime they ask me to do something on... You know, on, on a TV show or whatever, it's like just go in the ring with them and like hit them with a chair. It'll be great. It's like, no, it's not great. It's never great. It always sucks because there's an art form to it. It'd be like, hey, go on stage and play guitar with Metallica. It'll be great. Just go do it. Go do it. It's about the same. If you don't know how to play guitar, you're going to look like an idiot. And if you don't know what wrestling is, you look like an idiot. It's just like dancing with the stars. The thing about dancing is everybody, when they don't know how to do it, tries to be funny. Yeah. Same with wrestling. When you yeah. don't know how to do it, you go, I'm going to beat you. It just looks so stupid. So awkward. So I always just say, like, I remember one time they wanted us to do something when uh, with David Arquette on the George Lopez show. And David was a, a champion, WWE champion years ago. He's now back in wrestling. He's a great guy. He's, he's, he's just a lovely fella. A lovely fella. <laughs> and George was like, okay, our George's people, are you going to get in the ring? He goes, like, no, no, we're not. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a, a, a sing-off. And we sang uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Oh, my God. I sang half. He sang half. We went back and forth. And it was like, great. It's like fun stuff. That's what you want to do. That's so you tell good. Joe Coy uh-huh. and uh, Hyper Kamal. McGee or whatever his name, or Kamal, Kamal whatever, uh-huh. <laughs> that yep. we'll sit down and we'll, we'll come up with some kind of a, a, we'll do an improv sketch or something like that. Be much that more I'm all over. I love that. That's I would my love style that right too. there. Yeah. Dude, that would be awesome. Okay, game now, on. Chris, I mentioned like in the intro, you're doing so many things. Like what what motivates you to do all these things to be a part of so many worlds and how do you how do you find that balance? Well, the, the biggest one is 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 I've told this before. You're a renaissance when man. I was well, thank you. I always think renaissance man, like a guy with like a, fl- a flow. Yeah, like, like you're not a renaissance fan. You're a renaissance yeah, man. Eating a big turkey leg. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted to be in a rock band and I wanted to be a wrestler since probably I was about, I'd say, 12 years old or maybe even a little bit younger and just decided that's what I was going to do with the innocence of, of being a kid. And then as you get older, everyone has, you know, opinions of, oh, you'll never do that or that's crazy or you're stupid. And I just early on said, why do I care? Or why do you care what I want to do? I don't care what you want to do. Just go do it. So I really got very motivated by that at a young age. And it's interesting because my kids are, are 16 and 13 and so they might know what they want to do or they kind of, I knew what I wanted to do when I was like 12 years old and, and it made it very easy for me to go through high school and get it through everything. Cause like, I know this is what my final goal is. So once I, I, I made it in wrestling and then made it in, in music, now you become dangerous because your self-confidence, I'll try anything if I feel I can do it mm-hmm. because why would I bet against myself at this point? That's where the podcasting came from, or writing books, or you know, acting, or radio shows, or any of these other things that I do. It all stems from the fact of it sounds like something cool. I'll just give it a try, and that's kind of where where it all comes from. Dude, that's so inspiring, man. I mean, it's amazing. I'm amazed at like how do you find the time? Like, because I work out every day. You obviously, even on the road when you're doing your rock thing, you got to stay in great shape. Like, how do you organize your day? Like, what does a Chris Jericho day look like? Well, when we're on tour, it's great because when you when you do if we do a Fozzie show, it's like 90 minutes and it's pretty high 
intense that cardio. That is your workout almost, well, it really yeah. Is. Seriously. But we started doing this thing on, on, on the bus. Like, you get into town, and, you know, we're in town. What are you going to do? We get in at 11. We usually just sit in a parking lot at a Walmart. And about a week ago, <laughs> we said, why don't we sit in a parking lot at a Planet Fitness, which now you have no excuse not to go work out because you're just sitting there anyways. If it's a Walmart, eh, I'm not going to go inside. Right. <laughs> what do they got there? You know, yeah. there's all oh, socks are on sale. Um, <laughs> but sitting in front of the Planet Hollywood or uh, Planet Fitness, it's such a, like you just ha- have no excuse not to go in there. So that gives you a little bit. If you can get up early and train, which is what I've been doing the last year or so, mm-hmm. it, it takes your whole day into a different direction. And it gives you energy for the It does, day. it yeah. does. And so there's always press to do when we're on tour and then, you know, we have a, a VIP thing and so you're pretty busy which is which is good because the worst thing about traveling and being on the road is just sitting around doing nothing yeah. and that's that's kind of the way that the business is is a sit, hurry up and wait so when you actually have things to do it makes your day go by a lot faster so, Chris, uh, right now it's a really busy month for you, the month of September. You're touring with Fozzie around the country. Even a few weeks ago you had to show with Nickelback. Shows, How yeah. was that for you? Great. I mean, it's so funny. People just have this real hatred for Nickelback, except for the 10,000 fans that go to every show in every city. <laughs> oh, and the people Absolutely. who bought their 50 million That's albums. That's what I mean. I mean, come on. Come on. I had them, they're on, awesome. I had them on my podcast on Talk is Jericho. They're great. They're, just, they're, they're, they're Midwestern Canadian guys. Yeah. They grew up in a small town in Alberta. And even they have a little bit of a complex. I'm sure when, when you have people telling you all the time that you suck, you're like, well, do we really? Like, yeah. And obviously, they're a great rock and roll band. And it was a great mix for us to tour with them. I really enjoyed it. Their was, drummer's a beast, by the way. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, they're like, I've been to their shows, yeah, and it's too. so much fun. Yeah. It's just everyone's jumping, dancing around. Like, I almost feel like they're kind of like the Bon Jovi of this generation, as far as just hit song after it's hit funny, song. It's funny, and that's the thing. Like, we played with them the first night. I saw one of their set lists just happen to, like, you know, fall into the ground, and I walked by and looked at them like, wow, I forgot about that one, and I forgot about this one, and I forgot about that one. And there was a couple that I didn't know by title, mm-hmm. but when I watched the gig, I'm like, oh, I know that one. Like, they literally yeah. have 20 songs mm-hmm. that you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was great playing with them. It was a great mix, and it kind of teed us up for we did Nickelback two weeks ago, and then we're doing Iron Maiden on Saturday. Like, that's a pretty good, uh, yeah. diverse good uh, selection of headliners <laughs> a- to go with. AJ Kirsch is an unapologetic, huge, huge Nickelback fan. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, he I, is. I am, too. I yeah. mean, I'll tell you what. Like I said, it was it was great to see them. And if they asked us to play with them again, we'd do it in a second. That's awesome. Uh, so I, wa- I want to ask you about, just in terms, because you said last time you were in here uh, with us, talking about Fozzie and everything, you, you had a line that I believe was you're, you guys were a 15-year overnight success. Right. And so just reflecting now on the on the past year or so of all the success that Fozzie uh, has has had, you know, and really just exploding, just what, what has that been like and just how gratifying yeah, was that I mean, for you guys? I, I think it was really uh, when Judas the Song came out and became kind of a, the, the elusive hit single, that I think we're at 32 million views on YouTube or something like this. It puts it, things in a different world. And then Painless and Burn Me Out were both top tens following that up. Um, it just really took us to a different level. And people say, are you surprised? I'm not surprised because I knew it was going to happen. It just was the right place at the right time for the right band with the right group of songs. So the best part of it was we were ready for it. You know, when the, when the record exploded... We had a great rock and roll band that was very tight that had been playing for years. You know, like you said, a 15-year overnight sensation. So we were very prepared for all these successes and all these big opportunities, like, once again, playing with Nickelback or the the Iron Maiden Stadium, which is I'll tell you the story in a bit. Like, to know that we're going to be doing a stadium with Iron Maiden, like, you can't be 
a band that doesn't have confidence. You can't because you'll get eaten alive oh, yeah. by by yeah. the fans, by the production. But like we know exactly what we're doing. So when we go on stage with a band like that or Nickelback, we set up our stuff and take it off so fast. They're like, what happened? We have a crew that's completely knowledgeable, and they're like ninjas, and the band are like ninjas, and that comes from experience. We're not just a bunch of 22-year-old kids. Like, we got a hit song on the radio. Let's go play some rock and roll and smash some TVs and throw some <laughs> some bubbly against the wall. Like, <laughs> it, 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 that doesn't get you very far. Yeah. Uh, when you have Fozzie with, with some experienced vets who are now getting to this next level and with nowhere to run, our new song that just came out, it's already a hit in five days. So that's from, I don't know what the old adage is. I'm not freaking Confucius, but... Success is luck pr- plus preparation or some John BS Wooden, like that. Insert John Wooden quote. Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> what is the quote, Bimbo Jimbo? Uh, it's, uh, it is, it's, was it success is when uh, luck meets preparation or something That's like that? that. Oh, you're no Bimbo. He you're pulled smart. it out of his butt there. Good job. <laughs> so point being, when you have that experience and that respect, yeah. you know, it's like touring with the guys from Steel Panther. They're great guys. <laughs> with all the success they had, they're still very humble because they know yeah. Steel Panther as, as a concept, as a project, was their last chance. They were... Hollywood musicians for years, L.A. Sunset Strip guys, they just never made it. And their last-ditch effort was like, let's just go have some fun. We'll never make it. Who cares? Suddenly they make it huge. They're very humble and respectful because of it because they don't take it for granted. We have the same attitude. With with Fozzie and all that success, and, I mean, obviously in the, in the wrestling world, you achieve this just otherworldly second-to-none success. Now with Judas and everything like that, do you feel almost that you're on another level where you can take more risks sort of in your wrestling career? It's like, hey, I'm sort of feeling this creatively and I'm just going to do it. Well, I mean, I think something that because I've been still doing some cool stuff in wrestling, I haven't been full time in the business since 2010. But you've been. Yeah, I just pick and choose my spots. But you pick the right spots. So then that's basically still what I'm doing. Because Fozzie was the priority, I know I knew we could we could we could make it and get to the next step and continue to grow. And I think the potential we have is still endless. Um, I'd expect nothing less than than arenas for us in the future. But you have to put the time in and you have to put the the work into it. So wrestling, I've gotten to the certain level, but you still, if you want to stay on top, still have to put your 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 focus in that as well. And that's why you see, like last year, I think I had five matches maybe. Mm-hmm. This year, now that AEW is about to start in October. I've had two matches this year. Uh, you know, the most that I'll have at any given year is 15 or 20, whatever. It's not a lot, but it's still, if, you, if you're if you picking your spots, it's enough to still make a big difference uh, as we still continue to build the, the Fozzie machine as well. So let's just look at, at Fozzie right now. You just mentioned the new single, Nowhere to Run. Music video just came out. Can you just tell us a little bit where that video was shot? It was very cool with, like, all the TVs yeah. behind you. You know, we, we got uh, kind of picked up by Sony last year. Congrats on that. Which, thank you. And, like, we've never had the major label machine behind us. We've very much do-it-yourself. And all the great labels we've been on in the past, we still were very focused on doing it our way. Yeah. Um, with Sony and then starting to work with the producer that we're working with, Johnny Andrews, kind of you give up a little bit of the control and Sony said, we want a new song out in time for the tour, which we put together a whole tour around the Maiden show. Because okay. you don't just do a fly date for an Iron Maiden <laughs> yeah. stadium show, right? <laughs> yeah. You need to be, you know, so we had a couple weeks beforehand, then a couple weeks afterwards to get back to Atlanta where we're based. And um, they said, we want a single out for uh, for the tour. And that's how they do it now. It's not so much worried about the album. Like, when's the album coming out? I don't know. We have no other songs done. They're being written. Okay. But nowhere to run they wanted it they put it out they're going to put a push behind it and of course they wanted to do a lyric video and i said lyric videos don't work we got to do a video video so we came up with the concept rich did of, of the tvs kind of flashing and 
Um, we wanted kind of just a live type of thing. Because what do you do in a video nowadays that hasn't been done yeah. a thousand times yeah. before? Yeah. And even with this, we're like, we got all these TVs. This is great. It's awesome. And some guys are like, yeah, that's uh, Def Leppard, Armageddon. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> really? And we go watch it. And like, you know, 30 years ago, they did kind of a primitive version of what yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah. But that's okay. I mean, it's it's the Judas video is based on a Guns N' Roses video, yeah. Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. You just update it, and there's only five original ideas in, in music anyways. You just continue to uh, make them better and, and, and kind of update them. So, yeah, we put the video out, and it's already, it came out less than a week. It's doing about 50,000 views a day, and that all that stuff, they take, they take into account. How many streams have you had? How many views do you have of your video? All that matters when you're trying to get uh, ads on rock radio, which are very hard to get, the elusive ads. So they look at all of these different uh, aspects of what kind of streams and views you're getting, and that will influence them. So when your video is getting watched, it helps. And the good news is there's no clowns in it. I know, thank God, not this one. And I appreciate you for that. (laughs) I really do. Um, I look at you as, I mean, you are just to every piece of your body, to the core of who you are. You're a performer. And you have multiple different aspects of your career that have got to be really tough. Let's talk about the difference about performing in the wrestling world and then performing in the rock and roll world, being a front man versus what you do in the wrestling world. Do you approach them differently? I think there's probably more similarities than differences because it's all based around connecting with the audience. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can connect with an audience in front of a live crowd, you'll always have a fan base. Mm -hmm. Because if people are excited about what you do, uh, and are intrigued by what you do and, and maybe living vicariously by what you do, they'll follow you, um, whether that's music or wrestling or stand-up comedy or you know, whether you're a stage actor or whatever it may be. So I think when, when I first started wrestling, I wanted to be the, the ultimate rock and roll front man in a wrestling ring because I didn't think they had that, right. like a David Lee Roth or Paul Stanley or Jagger or whatever, Bruce Dickinson. And then once we started Fozzie, I wanted to take the same elements that I was using for for the Y2J character, which was basically kind of a party host and a rock and rock star type guy. Mm-hmm. Take those elements that I stole from music, put it in wrestling, and take them back into music again. So you approach them a little bit differently in that they're two different roles. Right. If, if I'm an actor, you know, I'm playing Captain Jack Sparrow in one, and I'm playing, you know, whatever the detective's name was in uh, Murder on the Orient Express yeah. in the other one. <laughs> Hercule Poirot or whatever the hell yeah. it was. Um, you know, there's two separate characters that you play, but elements are the same because wrestling and music, uh, especially rock and roll, have very loyal and fanatical uh, sure. uh, fans. Yeah. And uh, it's a very high energy, intense form of entertainment. So um, you feed off that. A great gig to me and a great match to me is not, you know, uh, if you botched something or if you sang some wrong notes or if you had some technical difficulties. I don't care about that. What was the crowd doing at the end of the show? Did they enjoy the performance? Were they cheering at the end? Were they booing at the end in the right way if you're wrestling? If you get that sort of reaction, that's always the best matches and best shows for me. That connection, I love that. I want to keep it on the wrestling track here for a minute. Uh, You mentioned AEW and just sort of uh, how many dates you expect to work with them. What what has the experience been like so far? I mean, this is is a new frontier even for you, Chris Jericho, who's done everything in the wrestling business. What what has it been like for you so far founding? I think that's probably one of the reasons why I wanted to do it because it is uncharted territory. It's never been done before uh, by any company. There's never been a company that started with so much pomp and circumstance at the highest level like we have. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, when the whole thing started, the concept started, and when I showed up there and kind of signed on the dotted line, it became legit. So um, it's it's pretty exciting. We don't know what, what's going to happen. 
I know what would happen if I went back to WWE. It'd be fun. It'd be great. Yeah. I'd have some fun times. But yeah. WWE is WWE. It's never going to go away. AEW, if we do things right, could be lasting for years and years and years and be a legitimate alternative to to the system of WWE, which is completely opposite to the attitude and ideas that we have. It's it's super rad. And one thing I, I just have to follow up on is uh, working in the NBA outside of the, the radio world, seeing you know wrestling ads on TNT yeah. in 2019 <laughs> – is super surreal and sort of on that track, you know, you were in WCW, maybe got to a certain level in WCW, thought you could get even higher, and now to be going back to TNT as the world champion, what what is that? Is that sort of like a I, I imagine sort of like Caesar coming coming down like back to like sort of the promenade. I, I, I don't notice a lot of that stuff. Like people were pointing out to me that it was TNT and I was like, Yeah, that's cool, right on. It's like, well, you were there twenty years ago. And I'm like, Really? I, I don't think I could have told you that Nitro was on TNT. It just kinda I thought it was on TBS. <laughs> but, so people are like, is it like coming home? I'm like, well, no. Like, I've been working for, for, for Vince, Vince for 20 yeah. years. But it is, I mean, there's a lot of poetic justice there, I guess. Totally. Somebody pointed out that when WCW went down, the very first undisputed champion was me. And now that the competitor is rising on TNT where WCW ended, and now the, the champion is me. And it's like kind of a... The symmetry is... Yeah, yeah. I think somebody said, a friend of mine was like, pretty soon they're going to have to change the history of wrestling to cool stuff that Jericho did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're okay Come with that. Sign. Yeah. But I mean, it's great like, to have that sort of longevity and that sort of influence. Uh, it, it, it's very cool. And like I said, I, I, I'm not a full-time wrestler because I think body type-wise and, you know, um, just just I think it's smart to do a handful of matches a year and pick your spots and do it the right way. And... But also, too, I mean, you can't teach experience. So that's one thing that I have that no matter what happens, I can take it and make it good. So that all adds up as well. Well, so, Chris, you just mentioned that, you know, Jericho's got to do a lot of fun things. And you just mentioned, you know, like, do you ever take a moment to just reflect on kind of your legacy as far as what you've been able to accomplish? And, like, how much does it mean to you right now in this moment in your life that with AEW and all the momentum it has right now that at this point in your career you could help get a new company over like that must be so rewarding the potential thought of, like if we can make this company last yeah. years to come like as you said you could you just stay in wwe you know yeah, did yeah. your thing there and be fine with it but like a nice little like just you know the, the nice like bow yeah, bow on things it, it was a cool kind of opportunity because to to, to get a, a company rolling mm -hmm. in wrestling because you hear it all the time. I'm going to start a wrestling company. It's like, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> you need uh, three things. You need money, which the Khan family has. Mm -hmm. And they also have a, a, Tony Khan's got such a passion for wrestling, mm -hmm. which you can't replace. He understands the business. And most corporations don't. And if you don't understand wrestling, you're going to lose your money right away. Mm -hmm. Two, uh, you have to have a, a great TV deal, which we got with TNT. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a great TV deal. It's a stronger network than USA Network is. Excuse me. And three, uh, you have to have six to eight, legit main eventers that you can base your show around. And even better, if they're fresh that no one's ever seen, that adds to it as well. And you talk about a 15-year overnight success. That's what some of the guys in AEW, when you're talking about Omega and, and Young Bucks and, and Cody's been around, but not like now, mm -hmm. Hangman and MJF. These are guys that no one's ever seen before that chose not to go to WWE. These are not cast-offs. It's like, oh, this is kind of a... Like, these guys said, no, we don't want to go to WWE. We want to continue to do things our way. We don't want to do it in that system. So I think it's going to surprise a lot of people when you go, oh, my gosh, who are these guys? Like, they're great, and we've never heard of them. Or are they the Japanese? No, 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 they're from California and Winnipeg and New Jersey and, <laughs> you know, uh, Atlanta. Like, what? Yeah. 
why have they never been on WWE? Because they chose not to. And that's kind of, I think, the real secret as to why AEW has a chance to, to, to really go places. God, Chris, I'm so impressed with your career. It just amazes me what you take on. Two-part question. Have you always been this confident? Like, were you like a three-year-old that's like, yeah, I'm going to take on the world? Like, was that you? Um, no, but like I said, like, I just really loved rock and roll, and I loved wrestling, and I thought that'd be really cool to do those. I didn't I didn't have any, any like, analyzing parts of my brain to go, well, you know, Chris, that's right. not very easy to do, especially, like, in 1990. Well, this was in the 80s when I wanted to do it, but 1990 when I started, like, how do you... How do you become a wrestler? How do you yeah. put together a band? Like, what do you right. do? Right. Um, so I just had, I had a confidence that, like, I, if, I really want to do this. And until I show myself that I can't, I'm going to continue it. Whether it's, okay, last month I had, I worked one match. Mm-hmm. This month I have two matches. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And last month I made 30 bucks. This month I made 60 bucks. Well, that's moving forward. So you're just building little I think so. And, the, yeah. and then, like I said, there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. I don't think I'm arrogant, but I'm super confident, especially now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just, I always was a showman, too. Like, even when I was a kid, I was doing my own radio shows. And when video cameras became a thing, we'd always make our own movies. And I was the the star of the high school play, but I chose to be the bad guy. I yeah. thought it would be more fun. <laughs> yeah, of Oliver, Oliver Twist was the uh, play, and Bill Sykes was the bad guy. That's funny. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I just realized early on that like I remember I went to journalism school because I had to kill some time before I was old enough to go to wrestling school so I got a degree in journalism and I used, they used to send me out the local paper to like okay go do the the water polo meet and then there's a there's a there's a C- CFL fashion show go cover that and <laughs> I realized like I don't want to be behind the scenes I want to be in the fashion show yeah. Right, yeah so that all kind of stemmed like I have no other choice I'm not going to be a banker I'm not going to be a you know working downtown you know doing whatever. I have to perform, and if that means you know playing an acoustic guitar at a Starbucks for you know fifty cents, someone throws a change in there. Well, then I'll do that. So that to think that's where it started from. I hadn't. I gave myself no backup plan. Making me all teary eyed. Should be my life coach. I know. I need Jericho. I wrote a book. The yes, last yeah. book I wrote. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Thank uh, you. Yeah, it's it's kind of a self help thing. Book called No is a four letter word. And I believe that that no is like a curse word because people throw that word out and it hurts people's feelings. No, no. Because it's a lot easier to say no than it is to say yes. Mm-hmm. And I think people accept that very easily. And I never accept no for an answer. And I'm not talking about no from you ask, you know, a girl the high school prom, she says no and you stalk her. That's something I'm, 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 I'm talking about. Don't get twisted. I'm talking about just in life in general. There's always a way to get something done if you want to do it. There always is a way. The easy response is just say, "Oh no, it's gonna be too hard." Bullshit. Sorry, beep it. You have to, you, you have to, 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 to look at ways why things can happen, rather than look at the easy way why things is not gonna happen. These are it's, the things I'm trying to teach my son. Yeah. Right. You know, when you're looking at your kid, and those are the things you want to instill in them. Yeah, exactly. I, I cannot stress enough to everyone out there listening to this that to read your book. No, is a four-letter word because I, I couldn't put it down. I read it in a day and. It, it truly inspired me to make some changes in my own career and everything like that and just moving forward. And I love the chapter, sort of what you were alluding to, where I think you were talking to a friend about um, if, if you could make a show or not. And it's like BS. Like, if you want to do something, you'll find a way to get it yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. Like, everything else is just an excuse. You go to the Fozzie show, ah, I got to work exactly. the next day. And yeah. I don't know. It's like, well, no. Uh, yeah, I got to work the next day at 7. And who cares? When am I going to get the chance to see this band again, whether it's Fozzie or Trivium or Iron Maiden or whatever? And and 
I have to take a bus. Well, then you go take a bus, yes. and then you go to the show, and you go afterwards. And go, that was great. I'm really glad I went. You always are glad you went, yes. right? Always I, find a way. If you I want always, to do something, you make it happen. I always say, choose the bigger <laughs> life. Like when you're asked a question, what what makes the bigger life? Go to the show. Yeah. You know, take on the thing, start the yeah, business, do, whatever do, it is. Do stuff, make things happen. Yeah. Like the the concept of the book was uh, based around principles that I had learned from family, famous people, fictional characters. And I mean, I think it starts off with the Mike Damone principle, which is yes. the Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the ticket scalpers. Like, no matter where you are, that's the place to be. Yeah. Look at this. <laughs> Isn't this great? If you walk through life going like, this is the best place in the world to be right here on Baby Huey's show. Like, I seriously, I don't want to be anywhere else. This is the place to be. And I think when he's he's looking, he's getting <laughs> you, you, you bought fifty dollars worth worth of effing film. And you, don't you don't even own a camera. camera. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> But all that stuff matters. Like if you if if you go through the day with a positive slant, it's just gonna make everything better. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna do it. Like you gotta take the garbage out. Well, this is I take the garbage out. Well, take the garbage out. Go enjoy the the midnight air. Take your dog with you. Whatever. You gotta take the freaking garbage out. So do it with with a good attitude, and it'll it'll make you feel better. So good. I'm buying the book today. I, <laughs> it's <laughs> happening. Is it on Audible, by the way? Yeah, it is. I actually read that one. Oh, I'll tell good, you what, man. Because I love when authors read their own books. The one before that, uh, I got in a fight with the company that that bought. I was like, this, these guys are idiots. Like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And so they like, got some Shakespearean actor no, to do it. No, no. But he didn't know like kind of the slangs and stuff. Like, what's Ray Mysterio's finishing move? The 619. Right. Yeah. He was calling it the 619. Oh, jeez. Oh. And Ray Mysterio went for the 619. So oh, my God. all I'm getting are all these texts from people like, oh, he's mispronouncing the name. Oh, and he's 619. I'm like, okay. I'm going to read the book. This was one of the hardest things I've ever done, sitting there reading a freaking book. Do you know how long it takes like to read a hours? book? eight hours? Yeah. 12 hours. Yeah. Oh, that's brutal. And you read it. Like, if you say, like, and then he went to the book. I'm oh, sorry. I got to do it again. And then he went to the store. Got to do it again. And then you start getting mad at yourself. And it's like, dude, it was, it, that's hard. That was yeah. the hardest one. So you better buy it on Audible. I'm in. I'm doing <laughs> it right now. Pick it up my phone. I'm doing, doing it right it. now. But I was just going to say, just to go off what Chris says, I do agree. Just like, Chassie, you know, last Saturday I did that Metallica fan club party. He was scared to death. I was scared to death. I was yep. by myself 400 Metallica fans. You hosted it? I, I did a, pa- I hosted a panel with some like legendary thrash guys from the scene. Like who? Um, Craig LeCicero used to be in a band Forbidden yep. Evil. Um, also, Will Carroll, the current drummer of Death Angel, nice. and Harold O, who's taking all the legendary yep. photos, Murder in the Front Row right. book. And the guy putting it on asked me to moderate this. And we were the second panel after the Cliff Burton panel. Wow. Ray Burton was there, Mike Borden in front, Faith No More. Like, all these heavy hitters <laughs> are on before me, and all the Metallica fans from around the world in this small room are staring at him. You do I, not want to make a mistake in that I room. I was sweaty, and I was like, oh, oh my God, these guys, are gonna, if I say the wrong thing, they're going to eat me alive. I was tempted to like, come up with the excuse just to leave. <laughs> but I stuck it out. I did it. I'm so happy I did it. And as you said, it's just those moments where it's like, I didn't want to regret it. That was the yeah, main thing. if you didn't do it, you'd always feel bad. And the thing is, too, you're you're a fan. You're a legit yeah. fan. So you're not going to say anything that people are going to jump and kill you for. Yeah. You know that's one thing that's great about 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 rock and roll, heavy metal specifically. If you're a fan of a band, especially yeah. now in the '80s, if you were a Metallica fan and you liked, you know, Warrant, that's grounds for death. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like if you're a metal fan, yeah. like you're you're like, everybody's cool. Like there's yeah. no there's not that delineage anymore of a, you're a poser, you're this or that. You're on the radio. You're a Metallica fan. It shows. I think I bet you probably did a great job. I, I, I like to think so. We went like the the guy had to wave me to like indig. We had so much to talk about. So I'm just glad and the guys were like, Wow, you guys you knew all that stuff? I'm like, Yeah, I, I lived in the Bay Area my whole life, been yeah. a longtime fan. It just was coming yeah, to me. Exactly. So I was like, Whew. 
I was like, Ooh. I'm good. I'm, That's where I confidence survived. comes well, in. Congratulations. Yep. We're, we're going to let you get out of here, Chris. You've been super generous with your time, but we, we have to ask you about the AEW World Heavyweight Championship and the sort of the whodunit heard around the world with it with it being yeah, stolen. I mean, just And you turn that into such an incredible positive that I, I it was just like hats off. Like It was one of those things where it's like, was this planned? But I know it wasn't, but it was just you really turned it into sure? a great positive. I'm not <laughs> sure. But. That's what I wanted. I mean, this is something I learned from Vince McMahon. Take a negative and turn it into a positive. And it's still one of the strangest stories. No no one really knows. And there's like, and this is no joke, there's literally FBI agents on this case. And the one thing that that, that pissed me off was when people, oh, Jericho lost the title. As if I just put it down like, <laughs> yeah. like the absent-minded professor and like, Doing oh, put shots. my belt down over here and... <laughs> Well, not even just walking down the yeah. street. I'm going to put on this garbage can. Oh, look, there's a birdie. Oh, where did it go? <laughs> it, it's a very strange story, and, and I, I couldn't even begin to tell it to you in 20 seconds because there's like 15 suspects. Not even kidding. Um, bottom ah. line was when it happened, it, it was a potentially kind of an embarrassing situation. So take the negative, turn it to a positive, make a storyline out of it. And the worst part of it all was... We had so much great stuff going on when the stupid cops found it, or not even, sorry, rephrase that. When somebody turned it in who found it on the side of the road, on a road, by the way, that was nowhere near the road that we drove down. Hmm, interesting. And happened to turn it at the same time when the when the when the owner of the limo company was in the station. I've got it all in film. Interesting. Anyways, I don't want to get into too much, but then the cops posted a picture of them with the title and ruined the whole thing. We could have worked it for, you know what, yeah. whatever. Yeah, absolutely. It is what it is. And then that led right into the little bit of the bubbly thing, which is just the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> but it's <laughs> I mean, so crazy There's over. literally, literally over 100 memes, videos, GIFs about a little bit of the bubbly. Like, like the best one was... Uh, was the, I just saw the other day? Was the, have you seen the, the Silence of the Lambs one? Yes, <laughs> yes. A census taker tried to test me once, Clarice. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a fine little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> like, Do you have a favorite one? Like that one all- was up there. Okay. The, the, the Jackson Five one. Uh, yeah. Blame it on the bubbly. The um, biscuit. I mean, I mean, the biscuit was great. I mean, the 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 it's like a Death Leopard one as well. The, right? There's yeah. everyone. There's a Queen one. I want it all. I want yeah. it. Now. I want it all. I want a little bit of the bubbly. Um, it's just, it's so stupid. Like What I loved about it the most, though, and I talked about it on Talk is Jericho this week, is it made people get creative mm-hmm. and get off of their phones just staring into the into the abyss and getting onto their editing programs. I don't know how they did I don't have an editing program like that. And just using their creativity to put all of these really cool things together. And there was just one after another. Another great one was the, uh, just the gigolo. How many baby beers are bubbly? How many baby beers are bubbly? Like, it, it made people get creative, and I, I like that. So, uh, and people are still sending them. At the peak, there was probably, I was probably getting thirty or forty an hour. Jeez. Now you get two or three, but people are still doing it. And um, you know, you got to take advantage of that when it's hot. So, Hell yeah. we made a T-shirt and sold a bunch of units, and there you go. <laughs> I, I can think of no better place to end this interview than with a little bit of the bubbly. So, Chris Jericho, thank you so much for your time. Fozzie coming to Slims tonight. Get your tickets, slimspresents.com. And you guys will be in Sacramento uh, tomorrow night as well, correct? So, that's going to be awesome. Sacramento tomorrow night, and then L.A., uh, Bank of California Stadium for uh, opening for a little band called Iron Maiden. Kick ass, yeah. man. Yeah. Thank you so awesome. much. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Chris. By the way, I downloaded your book. Chris Jericho we are hashtag friends of Jericho uh, and you got our click chick chast in there as well Uh, that was that was really awesome man and plus we have confirmation I am Jericho is my celebrity best friend he's all for it he's willing to defend my honor in any way he can 
Him and I, I we got a thing going that. on. He said when he comes to San Francisco, he thinks of baby Huey. It's on record now. So him and I, we're all good now. So thank you, Chris, for making the time today. Restraining orders being filed as we speak, ladies and gentlemen. But I mean, it was really awesome having yeah. Jericho back in studio. And I know it was a heavy music slant, obviously, with Fozzie mm-hmm. playing at Slims and everything like that. But uh, you know, just the juxtaposition and the the again the similarities uh, between his you know the two careers that he's doing, two of the you know four or five careers that Chris yeah. Jericho has. Absolutely. Well, also it's just really cool. Over the last a couple years now, you and I got to interview him a handful of times via the phone, and now like to talk to him in studio multiple times now. It's just really cool, kind of coming full circle just over the last few years to develop this relationship with him. And then real talk, how. Cool of a guy he is off the air to hang out with, to talk to. So, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing him rock out tonight with yeah. Fozzie at Slims. And a lot of stuff, I, like you said, it was a very inspirational interview there and uh, just a lot of stuff that he talked about. We kind of get to know more of him as a person. It, it was, and I, and I was very sincere when I talk about uh, his book, No is a Four-Letter Word, because I, I know, you know his earlier books and stuff like that deal much more sort of in-depth with, like, stories from his wrestling career and what yeah. have you, but... Uh, no is a four letter word very much. So is a sort of self-help book, uh, in a sense. And it, you know, I, I read it twice. Uh, I really encourage anybody out there that hasn't read it yet to, to go out there and pick it up or download it and listen to it. Uh, you'll, uh, you'll be the better for it for sure. One thing that was, it was kind of interesting was wrestling wise, as far as what the title goes being stolen. He, he was a little upset that the police tweeted it out that it got out that he wanted to keep the angle going. Yeah, absolutely. So he touched on it. Like, that's really what him and, I guess, the AEW guys wanted to keep this storyline going for a while. Well, it's that whole turning a negative into a positive thing. And and I do think that an ongoing angle with, with the championship uh, being missing would have been good. You know, we talked about it last week. A great angle would have been him keeping it in a briefcase and, like, almost, like, handcuffed to his wrist and not showing anybody this prestigious championship. I don't know if they would have done that necessarily, wanted to do that necessarily when you debut on TNT. I, I think it would have been a great angle. Uh, but, yeah, he uh, he did sort of let that slip that they wanted to keep it under wraps that it had been found. And I just uh, remember, I should have asked him if uh should have bring back Ralph. Is. I don't know if Ralph is. Is he still alive? I, I think but, I think so. There's old security guy from yeah. WCW. Yeah, bring we talked him about back. him last week, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like, that would be awesome. But, uh, yeah, big big thanks to Chris Jericho for coming on. Uh, we're going to sort of quickly wrap things up here as, uh, you know, that we, we went long with, with Y2J. So let's let's get into uh, one big sort of clickbait item, and that mm-hmm. is uh, that is uh, Access TV and Anthem, sort of uh, the merger-ish going on, and that officially Impact will be going to Access TV. That's big, big news for Impact, and I think a positive for them. Yes. Uh, and as opposed to being on whatever network that they were on, Pursuit or what have Pursuit. you. I, I don't More even... on Twitch as of late. Yeah. So I think I think that's big news for Impact. Uh, I, you know. It's been so many start and stops with with TNA Impact, whatever you want to call it, that it, it's hard for me personally to sort of feel super stoked about this or what that's going to entail. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I I think I'm willing to give it another shot and, and sort of see what you know. Maybe their presentation will, you know, just in terms of watching Impact on the w- regular, watching Impact on Access TV and see what they're offering. I don't necessarily like. Uh, you know, the things I'm hearing about them kind of keeping Killer Cross hostage, yeah. you know, because he's very unhappy there and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, But on the other side of that is you have people like Taya that say that she and John have, have been very happy 
uh, at Impact and everything. So, um, but they didn't resign, right? Is that? Uh, I'm not sure their contract status, but so I'm willing to give them another try. But I, they are on a, a short, short leash. Last one, last you have one last chance to impress me. Yeah. So I, I think the more interesting question, perhaps, is. Uh, what that's going to mean for New Japan professional wrestling, because I do think that, you know, look, in a perfect world, I, I would watch, I would, you know, want all three of those, or, because they also have women of wrestling uh, on yeah. on Axis as well. So I don't know if they, that network, do they want to be sort of another wrestling network and carry all three of those shows? I don't know. It remains to be seen. Well, from my experience of watching Access TV, which, by the way, I love Access TV, just turning it on, they have music variety type shows, they have... They play a lot of live concerts and festivals, a lot of like music related interviews, uh, uh, entertainment type shows like that. And yeah, they got the wrestling stuff. So I don't know if if they're if they're hurting for more content, but I can imagine maybe adding impact. It's just another great piece of content to fill up time on the on the channel. I don't know how much stuff that they already have lined up. I know like they have the Eddie Money reality show, Sammy Hagar, Dan yeah. Rather. Um, I don't know if Impact wants those shows on there. I don't know who wants to be to sort of play nice with, with everyone on that in general or how much stroke e- each of the companies really has. I remember a few years ago, Ring of Honor and Impact, or I guess more of TNA, were on, was it Destination America a few years ago? And obviously the different promotions, and I forgot who left first. I think someone didn't like sharing the same network as another wrestling promotion competition, even though they were back-to-back, like one was 8 o'clock and one was 9 o'clock. Uh, for this situation, I think for Axis, they're just happy to, I think, like you said, have another show to add to fill up time. And even from our experience dealing with Access TV people, they really have like a the Access fight. Like they, if you follow them on social, they have like Access TV, the channel itself, and they have Access fight. So they really are, are kind of go all in as far as like um, hand-to-hand combat of any sort of like yeah. MMA, New Japan, so I think for them, I, I from access point. If I'm just guessing, I would think they want all of this have access, no pun intended, having all of this on represented they, on they, the channel. They might. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I I'm sure in a perfect world they would love to have all and maybe one night impact New Japan, uh, wow, all in the same night. Maybe like create like a three hour block, maybe Friday nights or something like that. So I'm just I think for them they would love to kind of create like a whole wrestling night on their channel. Yeah, it's smart. And, and do it maybe on an off night because now we know like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Maybe are, Tuesdays become that night. Tuesdays or Thursdays can be like their night to. Well, I think Tuesday, and I think we've talked about this before, Tuesday I think is the ideal night for them or for the NWA uh, because the wrestling audience is conditioned for, for SmackDown on Tuesdays at this point in time. So I think there is a large portion of the audience that – sort of Pavlovian will be looking for wrestling on a Tuesday night, at least for the time being. So the time to do that is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get into Raw and SmackDown very quickly, and then we will also rapidly go through the Clash of Champions card. Monday Night Raw, you had uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the adjudicator, the mediator, uh, kicking things off. Uh, fun opening segment. I love that AJ Styles uh, you know, got to eat the stunner uh, there, showing Kevin Owens how it's done. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought this was what it harkened back to for me was in the lead-up to WrestleMania 20 when it was uh, Chris Benoit had won the Royal Rumble. He was challenging Triple H, and Shawn Michaels showed up and inserted himself into that situation by 
taking out Benoit before he could sign the contract, and Shawn Michaels signed it. So I thought we were mm-hmm. going towards sort of that end, and AJ Styles was going to insert himself and make oh. this a triple threat. They didn't go that route. No. AJ Styles is facing Cedric Alexander with the U.S. championship on the line. Uh, so, And that should be a phenomenal matchup, no pun intended. Uh, what did you think of the opening segment? I mean, of course. Come on. You know I'm a Stone Cold Mark, so of course I love it. I love the whole thing about it. It was very entertaining. AJ, to his credit, you know, dancing and kind of like, yeah, like celebrating that they were kind of taking yeah. out the tag team champions out of the ring. But he AJ is terrific. Yeah, it's very entertaining. Him, of course, turning around and eating a stunner and seeing on live TV the double bird from Stone Cold being flipped off. And uh, yeah, him. some more colorful language. Too. I know. Oh yeah, could I say an a hole? Yeah, back and forth. I was like, oh my god, this feels like '98 all I over was, again. I was sort of very surprised by that. The theme of the week for WWE, I, I, I think they laid it on a little thick about being at MSG this week. They they yeah, yeah. they, oh, yeah, they, yeah. they overdid it a little bit much. And like, I appreciate Stone Cold talking about being in Madison Square Garden and stuff like that. But it definitely felt like they gave him his marching orders, though, to put over Madison Square Garden and stuff mm. like that. And it's like, I, I get it, but I thought they overdid it a little bit, especially with Undertaker on SmackDown. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But you see real quick on social, I think Stone Cold posted a photo. Madison Square Garden gave him like a really nice big frame uh, photo, it's like uh, documenting like his four big moments in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Bret Hart, uh, first stunner being arrested from Vince McMahon, uh, Undertaker match. I think it was one other one, or it might have been, but and had, like photos from it. So it was like a really nice, like, uh, uh, piece, tribute piece, tribute yeah. piece that he can like hang up at his house. And but yeah, you're right, it was very much it felt a little forced. Yeah, it was like, are they trying to make good with Madison Square Garden, considering how Madison Square Garden was a little maybe a little upset that they didn't get enough love? During WrestleMania weekend, it was all over at Barclays. I don't think they're trying to make good. I think they're just trying to make something sort of feel more important than it really is. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's just another arena. Uh, I mean, not that Madison Square Garden is not like a great, you know, phenomenal place, but I mean, them being there, it just it just felt a little odd to me how much they were going in on. Yeah. It. Uh, the other thing, let me ask you this: I, uh, some people were kind of commenting online social that they were a little upset. I don't know why. With the announcement of Stone Cold on Raw and Undertaker on SmackDown, a lot of people were assuming that Bray Wyatt was going to come out and attack both of them, and and maybe these guys were going to help put Bray over. We didn't really see that. We just saw the Fiery Funhouse segment. But instead, what Stone Cold did, don't get me wrong, I loved it, but would you have preferred Bray Wyatt attacking both of them in some way? Okay, so here here's what I had to say. have to say about that. Bray Wyatt teased it in a tweet. He talked about Stone Cold in the Firefly Funhouse. I was not a fan that he did not come out there and take out Stone Cold at the end of the show. Mm, The opening segment, leave the opening segment as is. That's fine. Uh, Do it at the end of the show during the beer bash. I think it'd be way more impactful. You know, everybody's leaving or whatever. Stone Cold's having one one more beer. Not even a cliffhanger. Just have it. It's just the Fiend taken out. It's another, like... Hardly can find a bigger legend for the fiend to take out, and it inserts him sort of directly uh, into that feud with Seth Rollins and, and Braun Strowman, as the you know the the what have you online would tell you that the the fiend is going to be challenging for the title at Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. So you know why not start get the ball rolling there? I thought it was a missed opportunity personally because then why have him even reference Stone Cold in the Firefly Funhouse if you're not going to do anything with it? Unless something changed last minute, and apparently Stone Cold. I think, doesn't he have a little bit of say how he wants to be portrayed? Like, I think even in his retirement, 
he very much still likes to book himself very strong. And so all of his appearances, even the last three, he's been on Raw, what, three times in the last couple months? So every time he's always been booked very strong. So I wonder, maybe he rejected the idea of the Fiend. I don't know. This is all speculation. Yeah, I, I, I would I would be surprised to to hear if that was a if that was a Steve thing. I, I would think I would honestly guess that it's more a Vince McMahon call. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, if if you you know listen to Bruce Pritchard, there's the idea in the '80s that you know Hogan must pose, which is why a lot of times Hogan would end up always you know ending so many shows. Uh, you know, closing the last moments you see, win, lose, or draw, is Hogan posing, even if he wasn't in the match sometimes. So in the, in the sort of the Attitude Era version of that was win, lose, or draw, Austin must stun. You know, yeah. so like, so that's kind of that's kind of the the sort of deal there. The other thing too is, let me ask you this: is looking at me at Stone Cold, you know, he comes to the ring, that pop every time the glass shatters, even to this day. The pop, the reaction he gets from the crowd is amazing, and yeah, it's it's kind of a reminder though that. The current roster, no one has that same reaction. Well, and, and do you think that's kind of just still a big issue with WWE as far as creating new stars? I don't think it's a, a new star issue. It's just it's never been harder to be a straight-up babyface in professional wrestling, mm-hmm. in WWE at least. It's just mm-hmm. it's never been harder. Yeah. Uh, it's I think it's part creative. It's part sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the wrestlers themselves maybe, you know, not – uh, getting out of their comfort zone or, or you know, maybe, you know, the, look, Stone Cold's an all-time great on the mic. And, you know, it's not not everybody can connect with the audience that way. So I think there's a lot of factors to it. But part of it is just like when you turn a guy babyface, it's in right now in the creative, in my opinion, they instantly become a little less cool. And the stuff yep. that they are given to work with is a little less cool. Mm-hmm. Look at Seth Rollins. I think he sort of struggled to find his footing as like the tippy top baby face. Mm-hmm. Uh, AJ Styles, I think, did a good job with it. Uh, but even he, you know, he feels he seems reinvigorated as a heel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I would have turned ba- Samoa Joe baby face because it was happening sort of organically and uniquely. And that, like, look, he didn't help Roman Reigns out, but he was still a human being when Roman Reigns yeah. got hit by that car. And then you have him crap on Sami Zayn, take out Sami Zayn there. Boom. You have a baby face. You don't have to change how he's presented. You just have to change how you talk about him. He's still the same mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. You don't lose anything there, but they, they didn't go that direction. Yeah. Uh, so I, ju- I just think it's hard uh, for baby faces right now, which is why, you know, we talked about this last year. Uh, Daniel Bryan, one of, one of the few top baby faces that consistently gets nothing but cheers. Um, Johnny Gargano. That, that's why I, when you have one like that, Braun Strowman, when you have one like that, don't like to, don't quote, to, to quote Fast Times from Ridgemont High for the second time to, on the show. You have Forrest Whitaker getting out of his car talking to Damone. Don't bleep with it. So don't mess with it. Don't F yeah. with it when you have it. So that that's... That's more my thing, but I, I think um, the, my only critique of the Stone Cold appearance this week is that if either don't have the Fiend reference him mm-hmm. in, the, in the Firefly Funhouse if you're not going to do anything with him, and maybe we do something with it uh, you know, in the coming weeks. I don't know. I just love seeing Stone Cold on Raw on, the reg- on a regular basis. In the last couple months, between the 20- 20— Much better than his Skype conference call. True. Out of the, the three appearances, Skype was yeah the worst, but- Seeing him on these last, you know, last couple months making appearances, I love it. I, I, I'm hoping this is kind of a regular thing. Maybe once, at least three to six months, maybe he does some sort of appearance on Raw. Yeah, once or twice a year at least minimum. Just, uh, yeah, I, for me, because I felt like I said this before, I felt like there was a, a span where he was kind of away from WWE for a while. Like yeah, he was really distant 
distancing himself from the company. It's an interesting point, too, because you just mentioned the pop that he still gets. Mm -hmm. I don't know how often WWE wants to use him because... His pop's going to overshadow everyone else on the roster. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a nature of the beast kind of deal. So I don't know uh, how much that they they want to do that. But let's let's move to SmackDown. Uh, well, actually, we got the like, I will I will mention the the women's tag team match between you know Charlotte and Becky and Bailey and Sasha Banks. Couple notes there. Yes. Uh, you have the Boss and Hug connection that are an established team. Uh, now they're heels, so there's a new dynamic. Well, at least Bailey's sort of a tweener right now. And then you have Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, who hate each other's guts, teaming up. And you have your heel team that sort of needs that shot in the arm reinvigoration, lose clean as a wet whistle in the ring. And you don't really play up so much in the ring or backstage the natural, what must still exist, hatred between the characters of Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. I thought that was a miss. Well, I... For the match itself, it was great that they got a lot of time. Yeah, to it work. was very good. And maybe this is a little bit of uh, uh, coming attractions. This of what, year's WrestleMania. Yeah, Fatal Four Away, which I'll be all for. Maybe somehow they can like incorporate both titles again somehow. But uh, I'm all for it. It's, it's seeing the match, but yeah, the match itself it was great. But yeah, it, it's still kind of odd though because Bailey was on SmackDown, was kind of referencing her actions, like she's just helping her friend, but. Um, it's still kind of odd. Like you got Bailey and Sasha who are, are naturally just being friends and they're teaming up still. But yeah, with the uh, Becky and Charlotte, I feel like it's a little bit of a mishandling of Charlotte right now. Cause I think a lot of people still view her as a heel, but they, I think maybe creative just feels naturally. She should be a baby face because everyone else is against her right now. I don't know. It's just, it's a really weird perception of what they're trying to do with Charlotte's character, which hopefully maybe they'll get a little more clear as yeah. weeks go by. But, it, yeah, overall, still great. It was a great match, creatively sort of a misfire, though. Uh, Baron Corbin, though, winning the game. Baron Corbin moving on to the King of the Rings. SmackDown, uh, we had The Undertaker showing up in the opening segment there, and this is more so sort of the forced uh, Madison Square Garden referencing. And they have Sami Zayn come out to interrupt him, which I think is a much more natural slot for Dolph Ziggler uh, to come out there, given you know what he had been doing with Goldberg and Shawn Michaels and everything, crapping on the legends, coming back for one last sort of like – moment in the limelight it was an odd call for it to be sam Zayn. um I, I don't know it was it was fine the crowd the crowd was happy to see the undertaker which again the pop is always huge he chokeslammed Sami Zayn, but to me it just kind of was pointless well yeah it, it didn't lead to anything or is what's it going to lead to at this point at least with stone cold he was helping add to the title match the title match and kind of crossing that bridge and then adding to uh the OC and where they're currently standing on Raw and adding to the the main event. And it set up a lot of angles for that night and moving forward for the pay-per-view. For Undertaker, it just seemed like a random moment. Like, literally, you could take that and put it any random episode of SmackDown. Yes. He's a standalone sort of clip. Segment, yeah. It it just even... You could have easily... Yeah. But it didn't lead to... Yeah, it doesn't lead to anything. And just even him, like, he was kind of rambling on a little bit. I thought, like, he's just like, the Titans come in this ring. Like, I don't know if he, I wonder if he was like thinking on the go what to say next. Like you could kind of, it felt like I'm watching him and it felt like he was kind of, I think trying to figure out what to say in yeah. the moment. I don't know how much he direction he had going out there, but just it was like, all right, you're just acknowledging Madison square garden's been a great home for pro wrestling and all the legends it's created. But, uh, all right. Thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. Good job. Thank you. 
Uh, we also had the sort of coming out party, so to speak, of uh, one Eric Rowan. Uh, I guess uh, I, I'm still not sold that he's not going to get reunited with the new Daniel Bryan kind of deal. But he, uh, you know, he cut a very sort of passionate uh, heel promo in the ring, and then he got the better of Roman Reigns. And that was a great like out of ring brawl. Yeah, all over the place. I love and then taking the camera and like throwing it at Roman and like that whole angle. I was really enjoying as far as just like a good old fashioned. Fight outside the ring. You buying Eric Rowan as a, as a top guy and a challenger to Roman Reigns? I mean, he's a current heel for Roman. Go- you got to start somewhere with the guy. Yeah, for for Rowan's sake, as far as long term, as as, as a being legit, like as being like a contender. Yeah, you got to start somewhere, and what better against you know Vince's guy for the last few years, Roman Reigns. So, I do I think he's going to win this weekend? Probably not, unless Daniel Bryan gets involved somehow. But anyway, yeah, the, the segment itself, I enjoyed it and. Yeah, you got to build up Rowan as a monster heel somehow, so it's a good way to start. Yeah, so we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, The final note about SmackDown is that the best in the world, Shane McMahon, was back, and with this unfortunate injury to Elias, somebody needed to take on Chad Gable for the right to go to the King of the Ring finals. Nobody knows more about winning tournaments than Shane McMahon, so he inserted himself into that equation with Kevin Owens as the special guest referee. Uh, I'm not necessarily a big fan of this KO Shane feud continuing, uh, but I did like the sort of uniqueness of how Shane inserted himself and sort of forced Kevin Owens' hand. Uh, I I was very excited because, look, we talked about before, Shane McMahon is my pick to win King of the Ring, and still right now is my pick to win King of the Ring. And Chad Gable has been exceptional, and it's been great for him. But I think come Sunday at Clash of Champions, and I, I'm also an advocate for King Corbin. I, I think I think he would be he would be awesome as well. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see King Corbin uh, sort of take step aside for Shane McMahon uh, to win the King of the Ring, and Shane rewards him with a title match, uh, as has been already pre advertised on WWE television, as sort of a, a thank you for for letting Shane get in the ring and win it. Uh, maybe they won't do that. But that's what I'm hoping for. Wait. I want King McMahon. Wait, so that title match could be Raw here in the Bay Area? It could be. At the Chase Center? It could be. Man. Yeah, I know. Man. What a time to be alive. How? I just I just want King McMahon more than anything in WWE right now. Why? God, you're such a, a troll for this. It would be great. No, would it? Yes, it would. Why wouldn't it be great? It'd be great for Baron Corbin. It would be because because Shane McMahon's an actual heel that doesn't need to doesn't need to point at himself and get the crowd to sort of like mark out for them. He's an actual bad guy. He, you know, people boo him. It's not go away heat. It's he has actual heel heat. It's tremendous. And then you have him beat Kofi for the championship no. because people would hate him for that. He and Shane McMahon, King McMahon, is the one that ended Kofi Mania. And then Roman Reigns beats Shane McMahon for the championship. So, so and they would cheer Roman for doing so. So, so that's how. You, so this that's, plan, that's the long con, my friend. The, the long term plan to get Roman over. That's Not to necessarily get Roman. Yeah. To, to get Roman yeah. over, to get the SmackDown championship over, lying. to get Fox over, you know, to help Fox, you have King McMahon. I don't know, man. It's I, tremendous. I, <sighs> the whole, I mean, it was just interesting seeing Shane back on TV again. He's been gone for a few weeks. Too long. 
stay off. But, but just, it's entertaining. But um, it was, it's, what I think they're building more towards, though, is maybe a rematch of Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon and Hell in a Cell next month. Yeah. That's what it kind of feels like here. The, the continuous, even though they haven't been on TV with one another in a few weeks, it's them reigniting the feud that's been established there for a while. So he fired KO, and then KO put out on his Instagram and Twitter that essentially he's going to NXT. Like the numbers for each letter in the alphabet. Yeah, the cipher, the very simple alphabet cipher that he could be going to NXT, which is great. I think it'd be great for NXT. Uh, As long as we get King McMahon, I'm I'm all for it. Uh, but I, I do think that Raw and SmackDown the last couple of weeks has been a good run of shows yeah. for them to head to Clash of Champions, sort of uh, akin to when we headed to, what was it, Extreme Rules was sort of a an underrated sort of like build and card, or maybe it was Stomping Grounds, I don't remember. But uh, let's go quickly through the card here. Uh, Bailey versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, I got I got Bailey here. Who you got? Um. I want to see Bailey continue her reign because I think as far as having her a championship and being buddies with Saja, it just legitimizes their credibility as like threats. Like, yeah, one half of this new reestablished duo the uh, is a champion. Yeah. I think for them, it just keeps them looking strong. And then who knows what they're going to do with Charlotte, though, if, if they're going to try to keep adding the best way, if they're trying to make her baby face, have her lose a bit, like the build, like the underdog status again. So it makes sense for Bailey. To, Maybe to, Sasha just turns on Bailey here. Yeah, surprises yeah. come out, or yeah, Becky gets involved. I don't know. Uh, Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman defending their Raw Tag Team Championships against Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. I, it, I mean, it feels like, like I, I'm not a fan of. Like I like Robert Roode and I like Dolph Ziggler, but it feels again sort of just like this forced together tag team. What do what do you what do you see here? The only reason I could see Seth and Braun losing is therefore it will add tension to their match later in the night. That's the only reason why I see it makes sense for them to drop it here. Because at this point, you know, I think this could be a one off, and Seth moves on to his next opponent, wherever that may be, the King of the Ring, whatever. Um. Yeah, I mean, for Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler, I mean, they've been good company guys as of late, so it just makes sense maybe give them the raw tag titles. But, yeah, I, it, to me, it just it, it upsets me that, like, an actual established tag team is not going to be tag team champions again, or yeah. for a while at least. I, I think I think Seth and Braun keep it here to also add to the tension of the match. I think they tease some things here, and I think they don't do it, and I think they, they manage to retain – uh, as we head towards, let's just get to it, Seth Rollins versus Braun Strowman for the Universal Championship. I want Braun. I'm rooting for Braun with all my heart. Not that I don't. Not that I have an axe grind with Seth, but I just think it's been Braun's time. It's well past, you know, the time to put the championship on Braun. His time is now. His time, his time was then. His time is now. His time's tomorrow. Uh, but I don't see them doing it here. No. I think it's going to be Seth. Uh, which is unfortunate for Braun as he continues to come up short in the in the sort of the big match, which sucks. But yeah, you got Seth here too. Yeah, it just it, at this point, I think Seth. There's a lot more things they probably want to accomplish with him, and so it just makes sense to have him retain the title here. Uh, we have Randy Orton challenging for the WWE Championship against stupid, stupid, stupid Kofi Kingston. Does Kofi Mania continue here? I think absolutely. I think it. I think this has been Kofi's best feud since he's been champion, uh, and I would like to see him get a just a nice clean win over Randy Orton as he moves on to feud with hopefully Shane McMahon. Uh, I got Kofi here. Who you got? 
Yeah, I, I think for Kofi, for Randy at this point in his career, I don't. Do you think Randy will win a championship one more time? Yeah. He, he's been really good. Like, and, yeah. and he's still like, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like, he's a he's a name. Well, he's been low key. He's like pretty close to like Triple A. He is. Yes. Cena Flair's number of title yeah. wins. So I wonder if he definitely has a, a, a couple more years left in him. Absolutely. So I wonder if they'll reward him at some point. Maybe give him one or two more title wins to kind of add to his overall count to reach that point. But for right now, no, I don't think we're going to get that. So I think for Kofi, there's I think. There's bigger things they could do with him, especially maybe going to Fox and your idea of maybe Shane challenging him. So, Absolutely. So it just makes more sense to have Kofi keep the title. Uh, we have the Cruiserweight Championship, Lince Dorado, uh, Humberto Carrillo, and Drew Gulak. I got Drew uh, just because uh, I don't pay attention to the Cruiserweight Championship. I'd like Lince Dorado to win. I'm just going to say that. I would like Lince uh, to win it here, but I think Drew probably retains. Yeah, and you know, with the kind of the rumors of 205 Live merging with NXT in the near future, Drew Gulak, who has been on NXT TV regular as well, or making appearances, it just, yeah, let him retain and take that title over to uh, NXT uh, Weekly Television. I think that'll be a good fit for him and kind of what he represents and the kind of the style that NXT has. Uh, the New Day taking on the Revival as the New Day defends their SmackDown Tag Team Championships. A Revival, who I thought was a Raw team, brand split doesn't matter. Uh, I'm just going with the New Day here to keep it rolling. I think yeah, New Day is going to win, but the rumor is there's going to be a draft in October. I do think, or I would imagine, Revival should go to SmackDown to maintain their relationship with Randy Orton. Yeah. But for right now, I don't think they're going to win. But if they go to SmackDown full-time with the draft, then I think at some point in the near future, they'll win those SmackDown titles. Intercontinental Championship match as Shinsuke Nakamura defends against The Miz. I think Shinsuke wins here. I do think the interesting note is, do they want to get Miz to become the record holder for a number of Intercontinental title reigns to surpass our, uh, buddy? our, our, our guest from today, Chris Jericho? Uh, oh, that that that, that that is something uh, I thought about on SmackDown this week, but I am going with Shinsuke here. Yeah, I, I think Shinsuke because we always say we've been saying for the longest time we want to see the, the IC title get some better respect yeah. as far as its appearances on weekly television, its use as a, as a legit title for people to not only want to fight for and have but brag about having. So I, I think Shinsuke is a good champ right now Let and to kind of add more credibility to that title and give it some worth, he needs to start racking up some big wins. And what better way against a guy who's won it, one of the, the most title reigns ever. So I think him defeating The Miz will just give more credibility to that title and him as IC champion. Uh, we also have Becky Lynch defending her Raw Women's Championship against the boss, Sasha Banks. It would be interesting if the boss and hug connection walked out of Clash of Champions with both of the singles women's championships. I don't see them doing that. Not with everything surrounding Becky Lynch right now and all the good stuff that she's doing, all the visibility that she has right now. I mean, it all it is usually good to have a babyface chasing the heels and everything, but... But I don't know. I just I see it on Becky right now. Well, how long do you see Becky hold on to that title? Can she carry it all the way through next WrestleMania? Like th- that's kind of I think the question here is: Do they have long term plans for Becky to maintain that title, and is it going to be used as a, a ploy for her for future storylines, especially come Royal Rumble season and WrestleMania season? 
I think for Sasha Banks, she just came back. So to kind of reward her absence with an instant title win, I think that's a little unfair for the, a lot of the roster who's been there on the regular basis. Don't get me wrong. As be far, great, it'd be great storyline heat, though. True. Yeah. And, and we get a lot of people upset and hating her and, and build some. That's what you want. Yeah, some good heat that way. But I, I think, see, you know, kind of with NXT, you know, NXT, they, they, there's a lot of people we thought were going to win and didn't, but then they win on TV the next week or two. So I can easily see some of these matches. The outcome could be kind of like just the really obvious one, but then there's some surprise title they make changes the switch on TV. On TV, yeah, they could. Uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross uh, defending their women's tag team championship against Fire and Desire, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Uh, I would love to see. Uh, Fire and Desire win here because they're an actual tag team. I'm not feeling what they've done to Nikki Cross on the quote-unquote main roster. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just I don't see them making the switch here, but that's what I would like. Well, I just don't like for uh, Mandy kind of like her current gimmick. She's just telling everyone how pretty she is compared to like Nikki Cross. Like I feel like that's such a played out way to get be a heel i love the concept of it i thought the execution of it on smackdown at the start of the promo was a little weak yeah. like she trying to like sh- the build-up to her just calling nikki cross literally ugly was a little weak but i like i have no problem it's it's the gimmick that i wanted eva marie to work uh when she was on the main like roster the i want because you have the sort of uh the she's the anti-woman's evolution kind of character is what was my sort of pitch for Eva Marie and you put her immediately in a feud with Bailey who's this very down to earth girl next door type and you just have Eva Marie who had nuclear heat at the time you know become champion use Nia Jax as sort of her diesel type figure and just the the amount of heat would have been insane you know because people didn't think she could wrestle so doing with Mandy Rose uh, I'm for it I just want to see the execution get a little bit better but I, I see big money in that kind of character for Mandy I just wonder, do they want to quickly already put the titles on someone else? I, I don't think so. I don't think they want to take them off of Alexa and Nikki Cross right now. It's amazing how much success Alexa Bliss has had on the main roster. The amount of accomplishments and title wins she has. Yeah. So I, I think based on that standard, her having a good lengthy tag team title reign is what's go- going on right now. And you got to keep that momentum going for her. So it just makes sense for them to, to win over Fire and Desire. Fire and Desire, I would hope at some point their time is coming soon. But for right now, they're just the current opponents that they're going to eat the pin for uh, against them. I see dollars, uh, big time dollars in Mandy Rose. Totally. Uh, AJ Styles defending the United States Championship against Cedric Alexander. I got AJ here. Um my least favorite singles championship in <laughs> in WWE, uh, but I love AJ Styles and I love Cedric Alexander, so that should be a match of the night contender for sure. I, but I think AJ's keeping it. Yeah, and, and you never know; the OC could get involved in some way Absolutely. and just take out Cedric Alexander. Like even a couple of weeks ago, they hurt his his shoulder or arm really bad before his King of the Ring, and that's kind of the match. Yeah, so that's kind of that could be like a lingering issue that could tap into just for a continuity sakes. But yeah, for AJ, I think when he's a champion, he's great when he's a heel champion and he has like his goons helping him out. So it's a good way to get the OC involved in the show somehow. So I would just, yeah, AJ, it just makes more sense for AJ to maintain the title. But for Cedric, I'm just really happy in the last few weeks, he's been getting a lot of television time. Absolutely. Apparently Paul Heyman's really big on him. So 
just being in this match on this pay-per-view, I think it's just great exposure for Cedric anyway. Uh, a quick note that the King of the Ring final being pulled from Clash of Champions and will be on the the Raw on September 16th. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I think it's probably just a time constraints deal. Uh, hopefully it leads to some more shenanigans letting Shane McMahon get involved. <laughs> They're, they're playing his entrance now. That, that's that's what I'm hoping for. But that we do have one non-title match on the card still, and that is Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan in a no DQ match. Um, you know, like I think, I like the smart money obviously is on Roman Reigns here. But I think maybe if you get Daniel Bryan back involved doing the the whole swerve and the reveal of who actually was behind it, I think you could see. Eric Rowan walking out with a big time win over Roman. So you're saying Daniel Bryan ate that table spot. It's all a ruse. Just to sell Rowan as his monster. Exactly. To lull Roman to sleep. Because Roman's a sheep. So so uh Yeah, yeah. I like I would love to see Rowan win just because They gotta establish somebody. Yeah, and, and like going forward, it's it's you need I think, yeah, build up more opponents for Roman to take on on a regular basis because I think Roman's kind of gone through everyone he could right now. So for Rowan, it's the fresh new guy, but as a way to kind of set Rowan for long-term success, he needs a big win here to add to his uh, his uh, uh, resume of uh, his time on the main roster as a, a singles competitor. Should be a very, very interesting pay-per-view. Do you think The Fiend will uh, make an appearance at Clash of Champions? <sighs> I don't know, and I and I like them keeping him special. And I know I, I know I said that I wish he had taken out Stone Cold, and I still stand by that. Uh, but I do like that he's not just wrestling BS matches on Raw and SmackDown mm-hmm. and everything like that. Keep him special. Less is more. He's an attraction, much like Brock Lesnar. The difference is, is that Bray has to work the dates that they set out. You know, he works the full time schedule. So when you have a storyline that needs him week in and week out for a program, you have that to play. But I think I think it's better for him to do the Firefly Funhouse and only show up as the fiend really when it's going to be super impactful. So I, I I like it. I think maybe tease it maybe at the very end or something like that. Maybe not even him showing up, but just the lights going out and something on the board. But I, he doesn't need to. Real quick before I forget, on the Firefly Funhouse this week uh, on the clock it went from three sixteen to eleven nineteen. Do you know any? What that clock, what that meet that number means on the clock when nope. you hang with the hammer. Supposedly, allegedly, that's like the Undertaker's first match he had. He filmed like an episode back in you know 1990 on November 19. Mm. I don't know. We'll see how it really plays out. But even though Survivor Series that year was later on in the month, so that's technically his first debut. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But uh, I hope that that number gets revealed. What that translates. Yeah, it's certainly very intriguing. Uh, big, big thanks to Chris Jericho once again. That is going to do it for us this week here at In The Click. For Baby Huey, I'm Bimbo Jimbo. And remember, if you're not in the click, see ya. And I wouldn't want to be ya.